0: LeVar Burton has spent much of his adult life sharing his journey and knowledge with others. He is blessed with an enormous set of skills, acting, writing, directing, hosting, all of which has won him many awards and accolades. And along the way, he has become an unforgettable role model to both children and adults. LeVar is an inspiring friend. I hope you enjoy this episode of Investigates as he and I share what's on our minds, as well as reminisce about our pasts. So, Levar, last time I saw you, mm-hmm. Levar was at uh, Patrick's eightieth birthday party, mm-hmm. and at that time, um, you really liked the perfume I was wearing, and you went, "Oh God, what is it?" So, here's for you. I'm giving a little spritz. I can't. I can't. Yeah, yeah, I can't.
1: Just, you, I can't yeah, you smell. I can't smell yeah, through. Yeah, yeah, the Zoom just, Gates.
0: You can try it.
1: Believe. <laughs> just believe. <laughs> believe you can smell. Thank, thank, thank you. And oh, oh wait! I'm getting it now. Oh my! Uh, see? Oh, that's awesome. That is. Oh, you smell so good, Gates. Oh, uh,
0: see? Let me just let me take a whiff of your
1: neck here. Come on, because I always there, like. It. There, 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 you go. It's tamales. <laughs> I, I had tamales for breakfast, so um, that's what you're smelling. I don't know if you remember, but
0: I was the one who gave you the Medini oils that yeah, year. Wh- way, like, Why would
1: way I not when? remember that, Gates? I've, well, I I've know, worn Medini oils since you first introduced me to them, um, uh, like, what, over 25 like s- years ago? 20 years ago? I think it was third
0: season. Honestly, third I think season? I gave something it to like that? Yeah. Suddenly... Now, you see, I, I'm smelling you more, and I'm hearing you better, LeVar. It so see, it I think that this believing is working.
1: Believing believing <laughs> can sometimes trump the ones and the zeros.
0: And also, you know, I wanted to really thank you for doing this. And I know we both like whiskey and bourbon and scotch. I got my eye on a bottle for you when I see you. Wow. You know, I had a 1926 scotch at yeah. the uh, Lanesboro with Patrick when I don't know, it was something when and was oh, that was
1: like a my god how, how long ago was that? That
0: was a long time ago. I think it was yeah. with one of the movies happening. Yeah. And so he was yeah, 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 staying yeah. at the Lanesboro. Right. And they brought that cart in filled with rare bottles. And I didn't dare. And he said, No, no, Paramount will pay for it. Do it, darling, do it. And I said, I'd love this one. And it was so good. I didn't it was yeah. unreal.
1: The the difference between a a, a a good whiskey and a great one is discernible. Oh, yeah.
0: You know, people who who haven't ever had the chance to taste it like I had not until I went to France.
1: And then people would give me some Armagnac. You gave me my first bottle of Armagnac. (laughs) You did. You did. did. You gave me my first bottle of Armagnac. Yeah.
0: I love Armagnac. I really, it's something I love, and I love cognacs and all of that. I, I, I'm not a big drinker at all, but when I drink, I want to drink something really tasty if I can. Otherwise, I just don't drink.
1: You know, come to think of it, you have, you have been responsible for, for introducing me to several things that have become a real integral part of my life. The Medini oils, right? Armagnac. And you also, I don't know if you remember, but you introduced me to black candles, which I never burned before yes, I met you. I do.
0: <laughs> I do remember because I think wasn't somebody was shocked was Stephanie shocked somebody d- didn't like it initially and I, I thought was it was shocked. just so gorgeous. I was
1: shocked. I, it was that was me. I thought burning okay. a black candle was like are you kidding? And uh and Oh, I interesting.
0: Don't, I, I do yeah. remember that.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: See, yeah. I found it so gorgeous and I especially in France where there were stone walls, everything is stone, you mm-hmm, know. And mm-hmm. the the black with that—it just always was uh, was so beautiful. So that's cool. You have impeccable taste,
1: cool. Gates McFadden. You you you, Aww, you definitely thank do. You, you. Have, Mucho have impeccable taste. You do. You always have. I want to ask you about your childhood.
0: I mean, you okay. and I have talked about very heavy stuff, and all the time people are interviewing you, and you're so eloquent and articulate. But I want to talk about like Sacramento, okay? So, yeah. what did the city My of hometown. Sacramento give mm-hmm. you? Yeah, that's right. I, uh, I mean, what did it give you growing up there besides the park that they named after you? Okay, I mean, <laughs> yeah. have you have you played in that park? I want to know. I have. I, Do you have, think been I, back, like I have been. I would like that. I've been back
1: to LeVar Burton Park. You would love LeVar Burton Park. Would I?
0: Yeah, I think what so. What area particularly would I love? Right, tell me specifically.
1: Well, there's a there's a little free library there, um, and and there's a, um, a there's a volleyball court for people to play on, a basketball uh, court. Uh, there's a pavilion, a covered pavilion, um, and barbecue grills. Uh, huge jungle gym. Oh um, wow! So I think there's there's plenty. That's for, a community. For,
0: that is, it is a, a it's community. A, it's a, it's park. a neighborhood
1: park. It's a neighborhood park. Absolutely. It is literally nestled inside of a of a little development um, in South Sacramento where I grew up. So it is surrounded by homes um, and and a neighborhood. That's it's, so cool. Uh, It's, it's, it's lovely. And it is literally down, down the street from, um, a house where I grew up. That's so
0: cool. I mean, it was a nice city, I would imagine, to grow up, right? It was,
1: it was, um, yeah. It was a nice city to grow up in, but like, for most people, I, I couldn't wait to get out. Um, that was certainly Uh true for me. And it did not feel big enough to contain my ambitions. And and I have come around to the reality that I I treasure my connection to Sacramento, which was not true yeah. for me in my twenties when I when I first left. Mm-hmm. Right. But I love mm-hmm. my mm-hmm. connection to to that that small place as compared to Los Angeles and, and the rest of the world. I, right. it's it uh, it gives me comfort to feel connected there.
0: Is your sister still there?
1: No. Um, where's your sister uh, old, living? My older sister lives in um, in in the South Bay area, in the uh, Sunnyvale region near San Jose. Oh, nice. Yeah, nice. That's so, really beautiful. So and, there are there are, there are and no, Ian. Where's
0: what's Ian doing now? He's
1: he's in the he's in the same he's in the same uh, part of the world. He's in in the Sunnyvale region as well. He's a teacher and a basketball coach, substitute teacher and a basketball coach.
0: Oh my um, God, that is so like Will in a way, because Will did yeah. some teaching and coaching of basketball, and, and they really got along so well. Those they, two they really, really nice bonded connection.
1: back in the day. Yeah, they, they did. did. They were they did. like preteen, I guess, when they first met. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. And they just yeah. instantly hit it off. It was so yeah, cool. Yeah, they did. Well, Maybe. Will is now, Will is now um, getting his degree in psychology. Yeah, he's going to really? be a, a therapist. Yeah. And still write. He's going to still write, but perfect for him.
1: But that suits him so well. He's such an empathetic man, you know.
0: Right? Yeah. 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 All right. Here's here's some questions. Okay. Okay. So, uh, describe what you really liked when you were a little boy that you can remember. I mean, really liked.
1: I really liked um, summertime. Um, <laughs> No kidding. No, I know. I, 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 know, I lived great. for summer. I lived for the summer um, when I could so spend cute. hours on my bed listening to San Francisco Giants baseball games on the radio and reading. Oh, and reading. Wow. That was, when wow. I think of, when I think of, you know, my childhood in Sacramento, those are the images that come most immediately to mind. Um, on my bed, in my room, listening to the radio. I was a huge mm-hmm. Giants fan. Willie Mays, Willie McCovey, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I like the Cleveland Indians. Did you?
0: I-, I told Jonathan. I have all my baseball cards that we had. We collected Do cards. Really? I still have them. Wow. Yeah.
1: I think I collected football cards. I didn't collect baseball cards. I collected football cards. Mm-hmm. I was a big Miami Dolphins fan when I was a kid for some reason. I don't remember why. Um, I think because oh they had a they had a perfect season they went ten and zero um, when I was a kid and that was that was really impressive.
0: So describe Irma.
1: <sighs> describe my mother. Um, when when I when you asked that question the, the first thing that that I went to was how she made me feel. You know, um, and my mother made me feel like I could do anything that I put my mind to. Um, she was more than just a cheerleader. My mom had expectations, right? She had standards and expectations. Right. And even though um, at, at times uh, she felt uh, tyrannical, right, Um I always felt supported. and i and the older I got, the more I understood, you know that that sort of um, insistence on adhering to it everything being done her way was was simply a a methodology for her to control, to try and control that which she could not control, right? Yeah, and I, exactly. I I recognized yeah. that as an adult. She, had a responsibility to, to see that we had every opportunity to reach our full potential, my sisters and I. And as a single mother, she, work a single working mother, she knew that a significant part of my day every day was going to be spent outside of her purview. And I have to believe that that was enormously anxiety producing for her, as it is for For most parents. Yeah. Um, And specifically, I recognized that part of her anxiety was having a young black male out there in the world, in a world where I was not valued or or loved as much as I was at home with her. That there was a certain amount yeah, of which is
0: what are some of the tyrannical things that at the time that you thought were tyrannical that she would say like you know well, like
1: like you know just everything had to be done her way right um, like what like on Saturdays it was chores right it was we, we had to do our chores on Saturday before anything right before any recreation we had to we had to clean clean up the house and um, you know just picking. Picking up the you know the little nits on the carpet, we we called them rags and tags, right? right? Um, (laughs) Just so I just I just remember the the three of us, the three kids on our hands and knees, you know, picking up rags and tags. I I I think back now, where the hell was the vacuum cleaner, right? But (laughs) but 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 we were the vacuum cleaner, yeah.
0: Yeah. that makes sense to me because I think, you know, it's sort of like what I would do. It's like what you want to do is you don't really want to do the whole vacuum. If we could just pick up the things that you see on the floor, she might think we've done the whole thing. And well, that's we used what we were to doing. do that all the time. Yeah. 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 Like like if you're supposed to wash the windows, what you do is you just you just look and find those couple spots that are bad and you just kind of try to clean those. I know we would have so many chores. Did you do Easier chores though than your sisters were they, because usually that's the no. way it was. I mean, women were no. expecting. No,
1: okay. No. What no. were your
0: hardest chores? What were your
1: hardest? Um, well, the one that I liked the least was um, picking up the dog shit in the backyard. That's the one that I, Ooh. you know, I didn't, yeah, I didn't enjoy yeah. that. But that was my job, right? I, um, I did, I did yeah. the garbage. I did the 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 dog poop in the backyard, and um, and I cut the grass. Um, so, those were those were specifically my chores. Yeah.
0: Like my brother that was the kind of chore he would have to do. Yeah. And although he would do the outsides of the windows and I had to do all the insides and Interesting. then I don't know and then I had to do laundry stuff like my worst least favorite job in the world. And I, that's why I do not do it now for decades I have refused to iron. I used to have to get I mean it was like 4 hours worth of ironing in the mm. summer, right? Like my mother Ooh. wanted my father's underwear had to be, pressed. You know, he wore, uh, wow. everything had to be pressed. The sheets were my, that I, nemesis, I hated sheets. Yeah. So that to me, I would much rather pick up dog shit than do that many hours of ironing. It just was like, I really, yeah. and so I, I refuse to iron. Uh, if I can take it to the dry cleaners, great, but I ain't doing it. <laughs> so I guess,
1: I guess the things. dog shit is always greener on the other side of the street, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs>
0: So so, what did you do, you LeVar, as a little boy? Mm-hmm. What did you do that drove her crazy? I mean, what was oh. like the naughtiest thing you did, and how did you get punished? Did you did
1: you get spanked? Oh my God, spanked! My mother was four ten, weighed about <laughs> a buck and a quarter, um, and and <laughs> and and her her prowess with a belt was legendary. Oh oh. We didn't get spanked, Gates. We got wow. beat. We got beat with a oh, belt. okay. Yeah. We got beat. No. Um, yeah. Oh, no. My mother could lay it on you. Um, in fact, I remember, wow. the last, I remember the last time I got hit with a belt um, because it, 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 it just, I was so outraged that, um, <laughs> that I had committed an offense by being outside playing with my friends, and, and I, I just didn't even feel it. I, I didn't. I didn't respond. I didn't react. Right. I didn't jump. I didn't yelp. Um, I just laid there, and that was that was the last time. I was t- I was 27 at, at the time, so no.
0: no I, I, <laughs> 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 oh my god! Well,
1: no, I was about 11.
0: My brother and I got into trouble a bunch of times, and my brother um, would say, "Don't cry. Don't cry. Just act like we don't care. Act like you don't care." And he could do it because we were never like really whipped. I always would be crying even if I'm trying not to. Like it just never worked for me. It worked for my brother because he could tough it out better than me. But Mm. it was more just the shock and and fear and, oh, they're not going to love me anymore if I'm bad. And, you know, there was a lot of that. I didn't get angry um, until much later in my life. But um, (laughs) I think my brother did earlier. So maybe it is kind of a boy-girl thing. With Irma between the three of you. Was there a favorite?
1: Mm, I think I think my sisters would say that I was the favorite. Um, I would dispute that, of course. I suspect that, that course, might be but, true. But, uh, no, that, I, that I don't know. Her, her I've seen
0: her look. I had seen her look at you with such... She loved you so much. What a woman. Yeah. Yeah, she was quite what a woman. remarkable.
1: Quite quite extraordinary.
0: What games did you and your sisters play? Um, or did you play separately? Did you not want to play? Oh, with no, your no, sisters. no. We
1: played a lot of no. We played a lot of games, um, family games. I remember uh, there was a game called Life that we played incessantly. Um, we did oh, the normal I things. Of like remember that Twister? Yeah, Life was a board game. Um, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. I can't oh, remember. We that. played. We played a lot of Monopoly. Um, I yeah. I was uh, one year we got for Christmas we got the uh, what is that medical operation operation do you remember that game it was a, a there was it, the board was a was a, a person it was an electronic game so it was a, a a person and you had to use tweezers to go in and remove certain certain things like bones and organs no. and stuff and oh, if you cool. if you touched the side amazing. it would you would, it would buzz yeah it was a silly little That's game amazing. but I, I I loved that a lot um then in the late 60s um there were these uh you could you could print not print you could mold with plastic they would you would have these tubes of stuff and you would pour it in molds and you could make spiders or oh, yes. things creepy crawlies yeah. i think they called them creepy creepy crawlers that's right um that was that was fun um woodworking i had uh uh one of those wood burners wood burning kits that you ooh nice you, know, you, you heat up you've nice. got the little wand and you yeah yeah um, yeah no i yeah? know i
0: did some that? too
1: and uh and then my chemistry set. My chemistry set was really the 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 big the big thing for me and I didn't allow my sisters to to touch that at all. Um that was mm. you know forbidden to touch my chemistry think, set. Do you think do you
0: think that you you were getting the things that were sort of the intellectual smart gifts and they were getting more uh crafts and um I I'm just saying like in terms of gender stuff. Did you notice it or did they notice it? It definitely was happening in my house. That's why Yeah, there's
1: a there was a, quite a bit of gen, gen, like normative gender conformity yeah um, yeah I don't remember my my sister's ever getting you know toy soldiers or or cat pistols you know to play with um,
0: right but see I, I would get those and I'd have that's if I wanted my brother to play with me I had to play his games because he would never uh, you know play with my games he would basically always win but my mother kept giving me dolls. There were, there were two—I loved Tiny Tears, which was this one that you could—it would drink water, and then it would mm-hmm. pee. It would go right through it. Yeah. And I loved mm-hmm. that because I could give it to my uncle and have him feed her, and then he wouldn't know that it was going to go water in his lap. And I thought that was pretty fun. But, but my mom got me ones that Stephanie would have loved. They were these Madame Alexander dolls because Stephanie is beautiful, just like she dresses. She's got the gloves. I wasn't allowed to touch them. They were on my bed. They took all the room, so I couldn't slouch around on my bed and read. I had to read somewhere else, you know. Mm. She wanted me up and at them. and these dolls were so perfect. It's like, I sh- and she kept them meticulously. And I wasn't allowed to like take off their clothes. They were too valuable. And uh, when I when they left, you know, when we had to sell their house after both of my parents died, she had them all preserved. And I put them on eBay and I got thousands of dollars for this collection of dolls. It was amazing. Yeah. And who knew? And she had saved them all. So I thought that was really, and that was so gender specific because my brother got, yeah. And my brother got the thing, like he had the room that had maps of the world and all of this stuff and, and uh, um, always felt that I was supposed to be this kind of doll that was sort of you know maybe expected of me in a funny way whereas you were given like chemistry and <laughs> that
1: makes that was, more sense you know it was the it was the 50s and 60s that's the way it was then you know What was your favorite Um, Halloween costume? um, I think around third or fourth grade, we were still in Germany, and I made a robot costume, which was pretty good. Nice. Um, Cardboard, you know, painted silver, but um, oh, nice! My parents helped. I, 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 we did a really good job. Did you
0: do the movements and everything? You did. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then I got to the contest for my Cub Scout troop. And there was another kid who had done a robot and he did his with tin foil and he won the contest. Um, oh. So I was crushed. Well, but, you, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> I, was, I was in the third, fourth grade. You know, so so the the costume contest was, was everything in my world in that moment. Of course,
0: um, of course. That's a big deal, you know. Yeah. What was your favorite candy around that time? So you were in Germany. They, what were the candies? Uh, we had we were, the— Anything uh, you really— oh,
1: oh, Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, well, the, the black licorice and little— Wheels and little and little wheels. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! You but, and I are
0: big licorice people. I yeah, love licorice. Yeah.
1: You do too. But the other, yeah. the other candy. Uh, what did they call? Toto. They called Toto sticks. Toto sticks. So it was uh, and don't know uh, that it was a plastic stick, and it was usually uh, um, the holder. The holder part was the figurine of some animal or 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 person, um, generally from you know from literature or fairy tales. And it was in and on top of that, the platform was a cone shaped. Um, piece of m- confection um very sugary, hard, it was hard candy. So you, you know, you, you had a toto stick, you had it for oh, a couple of hours. it was oh. good. it was like it's a sucker, right? <laughs> it's a it's a sucker, but it was a particular thing that that we had in that uh, as a kid in Germany, toto sticks. And when my mom passed a couple of years ago and my older sister and I were going through some of the stuff, we found this huge box of toto sticks, from Germany, no. right? Oh, the, wow. We had apparently saved them at some point. They came back um, with us from Germany on the ship, and it was I hadn't they seen were them uneaten. in decades. Oh, no, <laughs> yeah. no, 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 the, the, the candy was eaten. It was just the sticks that remained. They were made of plastic. So they were a collectible. Oh, the wow. The sticks were collectible. The sticks okay. were collectible. Yeah.
0: Well, try them on eBay. You just don't know. I mean, <laughs> we... we, <laughs> we, we <laughs>
1: I I doubt that they were worth very much. In any case, you know, we've we've, we've, we've let them go.
0: So did you ever do, um, and this could be like, you know, different ages, pranks or vandalism, like I soaked windows once on Halloween with my best friend, which I was so terrified doing, but I also was so excited doing because that was the thing um, to just put soap on people's windows and it was, soap just, you on know, they'd have windows. to clean it off. And, and uh, then toilet paper, like we do the toilet we, paper we, thing we, sometimes. On
1: Halloween, we would TP a, a couple of houses. That was always, um, and I, I, I remember it being so much fun. And now as an adult, I see that that's that, what an awful thing to have done to somebody's oh, totally. house because it, it takes so right. much to undo to get that. know if you get it wet, oh, then know. it just sticks. I mean, I, I apologize to anyone whose house yeah. I ever TP'd <laughs> as a kid because I recognize now just how awful that, that, that was to do. Here's
0: a question. So I know you and I were both raised as Catholics. Yeah. And... Um, what as a child? Mm-hmm. What was your favorite ritual? The, the rituals that you loved because I know they had a huge effect on me. Huge effect on me.
1: Mm, what was my favorite ritual? Well, I, I was an altar boy, so I served mass a lot, and I was um, so enamored with that process—being um, inside of the liturgy and participating, you know, from the altar. Um, special, which again was a very was a very parts, yeah. very gender separated activity. Yep. I don't yep. know that they do they have they have girl altar persons these days? And the, no the, it's,
0: it's done in a different way. Know. They have people who are more the lay people just that okay. they can help. I've seen women do it right. that way, but they don't have like right. little girls helping. It's like Well, there's
1: there's no bells um, to ring and I think the priests do their own cruets now. So, I mean, the the yeah. liturgy has changed so much over time. Yeah. Um
0: I adored that was the mystery of it.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: The mystery, yeah. I think my favorite without any doubt was, well, there were two. One was the Stations of the Cross. I felt it was this story being told and you were in the church and you had to be quiet. And, you know, there was a part of it that was almost like... You know, the way they talk on the PGA tournaments, you know, hmm, and now mm-hmm. someone's teeing up, you know, there's this thing, and, <laughs> and Jesus falls again, and, mm-hmm, he, and mm-hmm. and you know, and I, I remember my mother's name was Veronica. She was named after St. Veronica. Wow. So she, with the... Was the veil. The she her, her, with the she veil. gave her yeah. the veil,
1: and his face was imprinted. That on it. one, yeah. I thought,
0: was beautiful and spiritual, and the other part, of course, was confession. Hmm. Now, I mean, to go really? into this little box... I. Oh, God. To me, it was like this intense feeling. It was so much drama. I I think that, more than anything, um, just the power of what was happening in that conversation, to me, was—I know it was intimate. I I didn't think these thoughts at the time. I don't think—it's taken me years to demystify them, but I think Mm -hmm. there was something so powerful in that, that you are exposed— in the same way that sometimes I felt exposed on a stage where you're doing something and something's channeling through you, I felt something mm-hmm. powerful was channeling through me and the priest, and there was this thing, and it was mm. it was pretty spiritual and interesting. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember mm-hmm. those were my two favorite things, even though I I uh, no longer am a practicing Catholic in any way, shape, or form.
1: No, I did not like confession at all uh, growing up. I, I it felt like I was being too vulnerable. Um oh interesting like, yeah, interesting yeah I, I i i i i felt like by revealing the worst aspects of myself, I was laying myself open to judgment um and that that wasn't that wasn't comfortable that was really scary mm. to me to to reveal the worst about myself. I guess that's the point of it, but I just never felt felt good about it.
0: It is interesting, and I, I think maybe I had stopped going to—by the time I went to college, I would just go to—Brandeis had three chapels, and you could go to different faiths, and they mm. encouraged you to visit all three. And um, and I, I wasn't doing confession at that point or anything, so mm-hmm. maybe it, when I actually was in a period where I would be having— <laughs> impure thoughts. I wasn't at confession. Whereas when I was a little, you know, when I was a little girl, I was just, the worst thing would be that I, uh, you know, hit my brother or something. I mean, you know, so really it was more, it was that my vulnerability there seemed like a strength in drama, which is really (laughs) stupid. But um, So I would say both of us might, would you agree that the greatest gift your mother gave you was, was unconditional love?
1: Yeah. The, I think the greatest gift she gave me was... I, I say about my mom that I am the man that I am because she was the woman that she, she was. My mother gave me permission to be who I was and, um, and to dream big. She encouraged me to dream big. Like I said before, she was instrumental in imparting in me a sense that there was nothing that I could not accomplish if I, put, if I applied myself to it wholly, fully, in a committed way. Um, that's what I try and give my kids, is a sense that they are yeah. capable of making their dreams come true. Um, because that's I think that's what I got.
0: I think for me, it was just unconditional love. I don't know. Hmm. Um, I mean, certainly I was encouraged to dream big. Uh, I think a lot of the dreams, though, that I was encouraged to dream were pretty much dreams that my parents both wanted. Right. And they assumed I wanted. But even when I went my own directions, I was always
1: loved. Right.
0: One of the things that I really have always loved about you is that I feel you are always actively looking for new directions in your life. And you're, I mean, obviously, you're, you're very intelligent. You're very curious. These are wonderful things. But I like how you actively are pursuing new things. Am I wrong about this? No,
1: I'm, I'm acutely aware. My mom used to say, Irma used to say, I had too many irons in the fire. Right, um because I was always you know doing stuff, um i I'd, I'd discover something and and develop a fascination with it and and run with it, and then I'd, there'd be another thing, and then another thing and and so I was always seeking, I think stimulation from w- wherever my fancy led me, so yeah, I had a lot going on, and I still do I mean i I, I yeah, no, that's I do tend to have a lot of things going on in my life because it it, it feeds that need to be stimulated. And, um, yeah, that's just a part of who I am.
0: Now, if you feel that you don't have a lot of things going on, do you feel that you disappear?
1: It's more a sense of um, I'm being lazy and ineffectual, right, if I don't have a lot happening in my life, that I'm wasting time. Yeah. My mom was from Kansas City, Missouri, so that's a... a I feel like it's a I'm probably really generalizing, but it just feels like a Midwestern ethic to always be yeah. Yeah. um productive, right? To always be productive
0: Absolutely. in life. Well, and my parents had lived through the depression and my father right? in particular. But I think for me, one of my biggest things in life was who am I really and, and what do I want to be doing? Because I think I had identity problems, frankly. What do you mean? Am I supposed to be this performer and, you know, um, Miss America and model and dancer? And can I be a, a builder? Uh, can I be an architect? Can I do other things? And there was always this, This I just, I don't know. It, was, it seemed like a struggle in a certain way. I loved everything I did. Don't get me wrong. But mm-hmm. more often than not, I've looked through my life, as I'm sure you have during the pandemic, when we've had time, and— Many things, many projects that I'm very identified with now in my life, they just uh-huh. fell into my lap. Somebody came and asked me. I didn't go out seeking, that's what uh-huh. I want to do. Uh-huh. Like, that's true with Labyrinth. That's true with Star Trek. And, and you know, it's funny because plays I've directed where I've picked different shows that I want to direct on on, on the stage, a uh-huh. lot of them had to do with identity. I would pick plays that had to do <laughs> – so it's really interesting. Uh-huh. Um it's one of the gifts I think about the pandemic for me. I, 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 feel very privileged and I'm able to take the time to sort of look at my life and, uh, mm-hmm. and s- see areas where I've been deficient and what can I, you know, how can I improve and change this about myself or what would happen if I didn't react that way? Uh, what's been going on for you when you've had those times? I know you've also worked, you just got back from doing some work, but...
1: Yeah, but I had six months at home before, um, before I, I went to, to New Orleans um, to work back in, uh, in October. Um, and I hadn't, I hadn't been at home for six consecutive months in, since Michaela was born, and that's, she's 26 now. So it was really, it was a big adjustment for me because I traveled so much pre-pandemic. Um, and it had become so much a part of my lifestyle being on the road um, with my backpack and my my roly carry-on and, you know, going out and making speeches and conducting business and just, you know, going out and directing. I mean, I I, I feel like that had become such an ingrained part of my existence, the travel and the being on the go and i realized during the pandemic that you know i i had been living my life like someone was chasing me you know
0: oh that's interesting that's interesting
1: and, <laughs> and 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 so sitting still for 6 months really gave me an opportunity to evaluate how much of that was necessary and how much of that was just the identity that i had assumed right Going back to the idea of, of having to be busy in order to be um human, right? That 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 was just what was expected, that you work hard, that have to be have to be busy, have to be you are what you do. You are what you do, you do not yeah. who you
0: are. And that's the yeah. problem. That's really a screwed up way of looking at our lives.
1: And 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 so I have um I'm I'm really working on that. I'm really working on. Consciously slowing down and changing my idea about how it is I want to live, right? And I want, and I definitely want to live at a more graceful pace. I want to live a more graceful Mm. existence. I have removed the words hustle and grind from my vocabulary. I always used to refer to myself as being, I'm, you know, I'm on the grind, I'm on the grind, I'm on the grind. You know, I got to hustle for a living. And, and that was a part of that mentality. And in, in an effort to get away from that, to change that, um, I'm, I'm not using those words anymore. I, th- I believe that words yeah. have tremendous power. Um, and the way we use them is, is really powerful.
0: I agree. Even when I was in my 20s, if someone would call me and it was 3 in the morning, I would be sound asleep. But I would be so concerned that I was sleeping and not working. That someone would say hi did I wake you no 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 right. I was up I was up I was I yeah. was you know I I felt ashamed if I was not 24-7. Yeah. What happens is you create this kind of life that part of it is pretend. I mean you know mm-hmm. that you feel you have to maintain this this image and in you order know, to be accepted it, in order really, to be good enough. Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah and one of the joys for me has been You know, going back and revisiting, like, books of poetry that I hadn't seen for, I don't know, Mm -hmm. 35 years or something, and just Mm -hmm. sitting down and just, like, reading one poem. I wake up every morning, and I know I'm privileged to be in a house that I don't worry about the mortgage and Mm -hmm. so privileged. And I know that I've worked all my life to have this house. But I look out, and I see other houses and the canyons and the sky, and I go— you are so lucky to breathe this day, you know, just Mm -hmm. breathe it in and surrender to nature in a way, Mm -hmm. you know, to Mm -hmm. just the beauty of things that are there. And then it gives me strength to sort of look at the post and the New York times and other things and realize (laughs) the chaos going on, but somehow I'm okay. I really feel okay. And, uh yeah, and I feel that it's because I don't know. There's there's someone because much you acknowledge how good your life us. is.
1: You you, adlo- you acknowledge yeah. the, that you are grateful for what you have, and you oh, know I, I, am, I, I say I, I say gratitude is the grace that makes God grow in our lives.
0: What was Mika- What was your favorite Christmas with Michaela? Oh my goodness! Like um, you know, when she was little, like
1: there has <laughs> just, to there has remember, to be. I remember. I remember. I mean, I remember um, putting together dollhouses in the bitter cold <laughs> on the <laughs> on the patio outside. Um, you know, being up until three, four o'clock in the morning, trying to put these things together so that you know she could have that surprise when she came upstairs on Christmas morning so there was a, there was a, a you know just a, a, a lot of that you know just doing the parent thing which was always you know so much fun because it's I, a wonderful I, thing. yeah I know that my parents did it for me you know to yeah. to make that Christmas morning as joyous as possible for us kids
0: the the Christmas that I remember the most about Jack it was a Christmas that he you know his so will my nephew had given him the Cabbage Patch doll that he had grown up with, ah. okay, who who he had named Joey. So this had been a gift that he had given him just, you know, he'd mm-hmm. had it for a while. But Jack was always concerned because Joey had no shoes. Now, Cabbage mm-hmm. Patch dolls don't have shoes. They have feet that are, like, ridiculous. You, they, you couldn't put a shoe on it, right? Aha. But the biggest, the biggest concern that Jack wanted, the only thing he cared about getting for Christmas was shoes for Joey. Shoes for Joey? It's awesome. Which didn't exist. <laughs> it didn't <laughs> exist, okay? Because I looked for I, sure. I I was online. I looked everywhere. They did not exist. I went and bought every doll shoe I could find. They would not stay on. It was, like, really tough. And I finally found one pair of, like, a sneaker shoe, and we stuffed it, and it, and it kept on. And, I mean, Jack, that was like, he was like... <gasps> Joey has shoes. He got shoes. And I was like,
1: <laughs> and all was right in his world. But see, yeah, that's yeah. Isn't that a sweet notion that he wanted the doll to have shoes? You know, I, I know love that. it
0: is. It is. Yeah, Very Jack. me too. Um, Very Jack. Do you you enjoy being alone?
1: I I, I do enjoy alone time. You know, um, I mean, are I you do, an I extrovert
0: or, or an introvert?
1: I I, th- I think I'm an. I think I'm an extrovert with in in you know with tendencies towards introversion um I think I'm more but maybe I feel like I, I, I there's a, a sense of balance there because I I, I do spend a, a fair amount of time on that inward journey um you know um but I am a very social animal for certain yeah
0: yeah. I, I, I see that part of—I see both parts of you. I mean, yeah. you're spiritual, very spiritual, and, and that curiosity and seeker of knowledge, I, I see yeah. that. That's a huge mm-hmm. part of you. But mm-hmm. I also think of you as an extrovert, I would say. Mm.
1: Yeah, yeah. What do you think I am? Uh, I think you're very much an introvert, Gates. Very much an introvert. Right. I mean, that's that's— my experience of you is that um, that that you would much rather be <laughs> be alone, and not not have to bother with all this nonsense out there in the world. But you socialize, but I think you you prefer um, you know creating your world, like you have at, at at your house, and like you've created you know your world in France. That you're you're great at surrounding yourself with an environment. Gives you the freedom to indulge yourself in, in the in the solace. Well,
0: or to be myself. I, I think to be
1: yourself. I yeah. think
0: a lot of people who know me think of me as an extrovert, and I think I'm an introvert who has really taught herself how to look like she's an extrovert sometimes. There
1: you go. That's it.
0: And I think that um, the extrovert is who uh, my parents wanted me to be, and. Hmm. To me, that's that's where it comes down to the identity. It's not that I want to be alone. I mean, I enjoy being alone, but I actually want deep connections. Mm-hmm. And I don't like huge social gatherings because I get very frustrated with it because I feel I start pretending on this level that we all do, which is a small talk level or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I love deep connections, even if it's with someone like, when I go to France, there can be – I could be walking by a field and there's a guy tending his olive trees and he and I can get into a deep connection for three hours talking, right, mm, you know. Mm. It's a really small, closed village. There's a lot of Jean de Florette that kind of, you know, I I was this blonde American at the time. I was blonde when I first came to the village and I was really mm-hmm. looked down upon. What the hell is she buying property and renovating it, you know, in this little mm. medieval town? There weren't other, you know, it was not a town full of tourists or anything like that. And half the town really liked me because I was making the, the – I was interested in the architecture and stuff, and half the town couldn't stand me because they, was, they were jealous of the fact that I had money to buy, you know, something that was a rundown thing that nobody wanted. It had been on the market for years, and it was very mm. cheap. And I put 19 years of work on, <laughs> you know, right. making it something that I like. But what I love is things happen that push me to new places like There's this one house that is clearly the most beautiful house in the village. And it's always, there's gates around everything and you can't go in. And they always had this garden that I was dying to look at. It was really beautiful, beautiful building. And one day I went up and asked this man who was getting out of his car, this older man, and there's really beat up car. And I said, is this your garden? And he said, yeah, yeah, this, you know, I just live here with my mother. And do you want to see the garden? You know, my friends in the village had never in their entire stay, and they grew up in this village, had never gone into that garden. But they'd also never asked.
1: They'd never And this asked. man
0: who didn't know who I was, he took me into the garden. He was full of knowledge. We talked about the history of the region, and he gave me plant cuttings. I invited him down for uh, outside tea. And my neighbors were like, What? you don't do that here and i like well what do you mean i'm not i'm not trying to ask him out I, he did a nice thing and there's just learning how different people were like you just don't do that oh he's not going to say yes and and he did say yes and then wow. people were like oh no he's going to think and these and closed minds closed minds making all of these assumptions yes and he and i ended up just having this lovely conversation that was a learning experience for both of us and that's the part of See, I feel I'm an extrovert with wanting to make that connection. Those
1: connections. But what Mm. I don't,
0: yeah, I don't like superficial connections. And and I'd rather be home reading than making a bunch of small talk. Mm. I don't like it if I'm not feeling really truthful. Now when I'm at conventions, it's taken years, but I feel I'm really being myself. I have Mm. learned so much by opening myself up Mm. and not making assumptions that Mm. I found I, I also was doing. I mean, how do you feel at conventions? Um, do you feel kind of like protected or
1: do you feel open? I don't know that I feel protected. I feel like it's it's work, it's it's a part of my job. Um, my approach is to try and m- make sure that every person who comes to the table has a an authentic and quality experience of who I am, right? and i i try and focus on that person in a manner that makes them feel seen and heard right um and and then on 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 to the next and that that's that's my intention all day is to give a give them a quality experience i think as a cast we are all we all feel that way i think and we I think all are really, really genuine and authentic in our caring uh, about yeah. the fans yeah so it's yeah. not it's yeah. not performative uh Necessarily, it really it does come from a, a, a genuine place of of wanting them to feel like their investment of time, effort, and energy was indeed worthwhile.
0: Do you feel you work through gut instinct and intuition much, or or a is lot. it really um, talk about that a
1: little, if you could? I, intuition. I have learned over time to you know to trust that part of myself. Um, it's been revealed time after time after time that that my intuition, that, that part of myself that doesn't come from want or need is just responding instinctively to a situation is generally pretty right on. Um, and, and I've certainly had experiences where I didn't follow my intuition and ended up wishing desperately that I had. And, and thinking in that moment, oh, I should have, you know, how, how often do we say to ourselves, I should have followed my first mind, right? That's exactly right, what that's right. talking about. It's about, you know, hearing that intuitive self and then having the courage to act on it without, in the absence of, of, uh, uh, of something concrete, going on faith and faith in oneself. That takes time and experience to develop. Faith in one's yep. own in, internal instincts, right? Uh, I don't think it's yep. uh, it's something that can be fully developed in a young person. You really need um, you really need experience at it.
0: Michaela, your daughter, how did you help her learn how to make decisions?
1: Um, you and Steph, mostly by example, right? Um, Mika's pretty headstrong and. Um, and, and is still at a place where she has that, that sort of um, supreme self-confidence that um, that generally exists in one who's at the beginning of the journey. <laughs> so um, uh, when, when she asks for advice, then I give it. Um, if she doesn't ask, I've learned to not necessarily offer um, because... She doesn't want to hear my yeah. side. She doesn't want to hear from me. She wants to do it her way.
0: Right. Well, of course. But they have to find their process. I know that one thing that has been very mm-hmm. helpful, I think, to Jack, and I did this with students, is the pros and cons list, which, you know, it takes me so long to actually sit down and do the pros and cons list. But when he would sit down and do it, I, and that's all I say now whenever he has a decision on do do your pros and cons list, because if you have it, it ends up. You know, if you come back, you go away and then you look at it, you're like, yeah, that obviously that's mm. that's maybe the one. Or I say if you wake up and you have a very strong instinct when you look at that list that you want to do the, the contrary and take a risk, then go with that gut, you know. But for me, uh, i've I find it cuts my angst down to just mm. force myself to do the pros and cons because
1: it's a great exercise because I, I, I think it really concretizes the 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 sort of ephemeral. Right, and it, and it forces you to really, right. you know, to 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 make real what the choice is that you're making. Yeah. And, and, and
0: and sometimes we just don't want to even make it real because we actually yeah. don't, you know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Very interesting.
1: Now that, that that makes good sense. I like that the pros and cons list.
0: Are you cynical about the biz, or you think it's going to go in a new direction?
1: The, you mean the future of showbiz? I think it's changing now. Um yeah, that's um, for sure. We're in a a big state of flux more than I think at any other time in the 40 years I've been doing this. Um that we are there that, that the business um of the business is changing. Um the way business gets done is certainly changing. Um COVID has has brought with it a set of procedures and protocols that um really force us to do things differently on set. I don't know how I feel necessarily about it. I, I think having just come mm-hmm. from an experience of of um, of working um, of directing a, a television show, i I think that these things that are necessary in order to keep us working are what we need to do. Um, because right. telling the stories, Doing the work, fulfilling our purpose, is is really key um, at this time. So, whatever it takes, right? Whatever it takes. If we have to get tested three times a week and and um, and, and and jump through all kinds of hoops to keep each department safe on set, uh, and if it forces us into you know to different different ways of 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 telling stories, so be it. Because the you know, the privilege of getting to tell stories for a living is is one that I don't right. take lightly.
0: No, I'm sure you don't. You are <laughs> one of the storytellers par excellence. Who's your favorite director now, would you say?
1: Uh, that's a great question. Who do There's I have so a many. great amount of respect for? I know there are so, so many. You know, I really admire the career that Steven Soderbergh has carved out for himself. He, and he has he has Amazing. He has made um he has created a, a a niche for himself. Um whereby I mean he just finished a project with um Meryl Streep, uh Candace Bergen and, and Diane Weist.
0: Diane Weist. And,
1: and they, they shot it on a crossing of the QE2. In 10 days they shot right. a movie and Steven operated. Right?
0: Yeah. He he was the cinematographer. I mean, that's what's yeah. so fantastic, is that yeah. he, has, right. he has the skills and he has, the-
1: he has developed skill sets that enable him to tell yep. stories from a particular that's point right. of view that not many people, you know, can do. That's right. Right? Because it's very entrepreneurial, right? Um and and I think that now more than ever, actors, performers um have to be entrepreneurial. You have to pay attention to the business of show business. You have to treat your career like an enterprise. Um, and, and Soderbergh's done that brilliantly.
0: We need to support the arts. And I'm, I'm mm. so fearful that everyone's going to expect now that artists have to also be their own, you know, they have to produce everything themselves. They have to mm. do their own media. They have to do everything. We're a long ways from getting to a place where we're really supporting artists. We do have, at least, the people who voted for Biden... We do have at least that much of the population who theoretically is anti-racist. And that's a positive. So if maybe, we, you know, you, you feel things might be changing, I notice there's so many amazing black directors now who's, who are doing incredible work. There's so many women who are doing incredible work. Um, I hope that we can make progress but it's very scary because i've thought and i'm sure you felt the same way you think you make progress but it's like 12 steps back and or mm-hmm. or they haven't changed at all you know
1: mm-hmm.
0: and that's hard to compute
1: hmm. i mean are, where do you th- what do are, you, where
0: do you think we're going to be going
1: i have no idea really i really don't i have no idea I know. Um, because what i've i've uh, what i've had to come to terms with is that um, the america that i thought i have been living in didn't exist
0: yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. and so uh, i'm i'm having to um uh, to get used to a new understanding of of my country and where my country is specifically where it it comes to relating to people who look like me um i just have to acknowledge that the the america that i thought thought I was living in was simply a fantasy. It just didn't exist. And and, you know, the past four years have really proven to me um, just how different this nation is from what I thought it was.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. Why don't we learn anything?
1: I don't I I don't know the answer to that question, Gates, to tell you the truth. I I, I think that there is an instinct um, in us, in human beings, to feel like we live in a world of lack and if i can put myself in a position of plenty and uh then i don't have to worry i don't have to worry about that big fear of being in a state of lack and the and 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 for some people the more i have the better and 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 they we find a way to divorce ourselves from the equation of that requires balance. Right. And, right. and, and there's a, a part of humanity that just, you know, wants to collect all the marbles and, and it's okay on some level that people don't have any marbles at all because that's their problem. You know, America has this pull yourself up by the bootstraps mentality. It's all bullshit, you know? Um,
0: yeah. yeah. Because
1: the, the, the bootstraps that, that, that american capitalism has pulled itself up by our um you know handouts by the from the government in terms of land right. and 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 opportunity um things that have certainly been denied people of color and the the idea that socialism is evil is is i think a, a something that needs to be bred out educated out of the psyche uh, of america we 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 have this real twisted, bizarre notion that um, if if we are receiving assistance from the state, then we are less than um, the idea that, that that if you need help, then you're weak, um, and that it's and, and that and that you are strong if you you don't need help at all. Um, that you don't require right. assistance con- on any level, it's it's just it's 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 counter to it's my belief system. It, 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 yeah, me too. Just a, a little little backwards from my point of view. You know, I believe that we're here to help each other.
0: And and also, what people make assumptions about poverty, and um, mm, mm. you know, it's like you can be poor and. Super smart. (laughs) Those two Mm -hmm. things are not mutually exclusive. No, they're not. uh, People make those kinds of assumptions all the time. So, let me see what else. I'm loving today talking to you. I'm loving it. Um, I wish we were sharing um, some delicious Irish whiskey, but you know,
1: that would be um, awesome. It's a little too early. Eh, You know, know. it's five o'clock somewhere.
0: (laughs) Um, I know one thing I did want to ask you about. I remembered one Mm -hmm. time. On the lot, we were talking about things, and you said there was one period because there. There's this thing of pretending. You said once you had pretended to be someone that you weren't to get mm. forward,
1: mm-hmm. and and have you ever talked about that or not? Ah, I, I mean, I'm I'm not. Uh, I don't hide it, but it's not something that comes up uh, necessarily. When I first moved to Los Angeles, um, my first apartment was at Western and Ninth, and. Um, You know, I was on full scholarship to USC. My mom worked a second job that enabled me to um, buy books and pay rent. And my first apartment was $100 a month um, at Western and Ninth in Koreatown. And because I did not trust that, um, that I was worthy enough to rent this apartment on my own, I concocted a story for the landlady. That I was an exchange student from Great Britain and that my rent was actually being paid by the university, but it went through my bank account. And and so the checks would come from me once a month. And for the year that I lived in that apartment at Western and Ninth, every time I saw my landlady, I had to speak to her with a British <laughs> accent. <laughs> I
0: love that,
1: but it was my insecurity at work, and I, you know, and I, I, and you know, survival, survival dictates that you do what you must in order to move forward, right? And for whatever reason, I thought that's what I had to do in that instance in order to keep. Moving forward, looking back on it now, I, I, I you know, I, I certainly find the humor yeah. in it, and it, it and it, it, it right. feels a little ridiculous to have done that. But I was, you know, I was dead serious about, you know, keeping up the ruse because my survival yeah. depended on it.
0: Which um, of your senses do you think is the strongest for you? Which sense, you know, mm-hmm. out of touch, smell, mm-hmm. sight, you mm-hmm. know, hearing.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Well, um, I need correction in my eyes to see. I know my nose isn't as good as my wife's. She has an incredible sense of smell. Um, Hmm. I guess my sense of touch is the most acute, the most highly developed for me. My sense of touch. Yeah, and I'm a very, you know... Kinesthetic person, I, you know, I'm a, I'm really yeah. physical. So, you know, living in my living in feelings and emotions, and and being and 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 being able to touch things have 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 the world be tangible to me, I think is really really important. I experience the world through through touch. Um, when I was a kid, I had to um, go to the army hospital um, uh, a lot to get um, my my ears produced a lot of wax, and so. I actually didn't hear very well um, at a point in my mm. life, and, and, um, and it was painful. They would drop this hot solution down my ear canal and then use this vacuum and suck the wax out. It was awful, Ew. but it did, it did result in me being able to experience the world in, in a stronger way through my, through my hearing, through the auditory function. Um, That's cool. I hadn't thought about that in a long time.
0: Well, no, there you go. There you go. There you go. So that, you
1: there know, you go. some
0: final thoughts.
1: I think we're living in an age of an explosion, yeah, of uh, of of thought and feeling being expressed through the arts, and it it makes sense because you know these are indeed um, complicated times, and uh, and I yeah. think through art we tend to try and you know work out our our purpose here. And the condition of of life and living, I think art um, reflects that for us really beautifully, and uh, we're certainly living in a time where we 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 definitely need a lot of guidance in terms of how to respond to the world in which we find ourselves.
0: Amen. well, on that, I will close this wonderful, wonderful conversation. I with love you, you Gates. it's been I love you. it's just been wonderful. I hope to. Share that little um whiskey soon. Okay.
1: Well, you know, the, the real truth of it is we will know each other for the rest of our lives. And the, the you know, the the, yep. the bonds that we forged, you know, on that very first day, right? When when we, we did the read through and then walked across the street to Lucy's L Adobe and had lunch and, and came back and did another read-through. I really feel in large measure that by the time we were walking back to the lot after lunch, that that we, had, we were really bonded as a group, and that bond has, has only grown and, and deepened over time. It's certainly been tested, and our bonds have endured. We really do yep. have a deep and abiding connection with one another. I will never stop treasuring it. Nor will I. Yeah.
0: Well, thank you.
1: Love you, Gatesy.
0: And I sure love him back. I'm so privileged to have such extraordinary friends. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Please join me next time for another conversation with a fantastic space friend. And thanks for listening. Stay safe.